Welcome to Around the Board, a show where four board game enthusiasts discuss board game topics and news. Today's show starts with us weighing in on game weight versus enjoyment factor, followed by our first look of Pampero. Then we'll mix it up with a new segment we like to call Tabletop Team Up. I think we're going to call it Twister. Eh, whatever. To sound out the show, or round out the show even, we'll play the classic play, Shelf Trade. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado on my part, announcing your hosts for today's program, Daniel Connors, John Theismann, Chris Thomason, and Andy Barnett. This is Around the Board. How's it going? Hey guys. So Andy, I got a question for you. Recently yes. you shared in our in our closed chat a picture of you playing Terraforming Mars, Indeed. but it was not your deluxe edition. You know what? I what don't gives? carry that big behemoth with me everywhere I go. And then so then you don't play the game. Like you I, have I, it, you have to do it, or it's nothing. It's that okay. or bust. It's that or bust. Now, I was at All a right. friend's house. I was at Tyler's house. We played his copy. I will say I'm hesitant to play my deluxe copy because I have not painted the little miniatures yet. And right now, cities are confusing with the uh, special mm -hmm. tiles. They all look the same to me. So I gotta, I gotta make some adjustments. So, so you're never gonna pay play your copy? Probably not. That's right. Good, I'll good buy it for twenty bucks. That makes sense. Andy, <laughs> you know what you remind me of? You remind me of the people that will stream something that they already own on Blu-ray. That's, the, that's that's the equivalent. You're streaming terraforming Mars when you have it, the deluxe. Right. Blu-ray right there. Well, it, it depends what screen you're on. You, you can't, your Blu-ray player is not with you on every screen. So that, that makes sense. So you're one of those people too. That, that yeah, makes complete fair. sense now. <laughs> it, you you're know just, what? It does make sense. Until we can like find it. Sounds like you're just slumming it with the filthy casuals. So you, yeah. <laughs> you know what we need to do is we got to figure out a way to play physical board games, but store them in the cloud. Oh, I like this. So we just That's download them wherever we are. And then we send them back to the cloud. Yeah. I think there's a Star Trek episode about that. <laughs> Probably so. That's how Netflix got started. That is true. That's true. <laughs> Computer team, that back Earl Grey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this because uh, well, you know what everyone's here for. It's not us. That's right. You're right. Everybody's here for one reason, and that is to play the game. We divide it up into four unique segments. Which one of us will host each segment. A judge behind the scenes will give us points. Whoever receives the most points at the end of the game will get to sit on their soap throne and talk about whatever they want. So without further ado, let's get started. Here is round one. Round one. Fight. So round one today, we are going to talk about the balance of the heaviness of a game to the enjoyment level. Uh, you know, some people really like really light games and, you know, like the things of that nature, family weight games. And then you got the really hard, heavy, deep games like 18xx or Dimocker for those that are really old school. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm starting here, and I think we all know what I'm gonna say. So, uh, but maybe not, ride, baby. Maybe not actually. Let, let's hold up. I mean, if you've watched the show long enough, you're actually gonna be a little confused because my favorite designer is the good doctor, whose games are actually not all that complex. Very simple, but what they do have is a ton of depth. You have to play them many times, many times to even fully understand them. 
Uh, even though you can explain the game in 10 minutes, it's going to take 10 plays to really master. So that is actually the truth of what I truly enjoy. That That is the apex. That is the reason he's my favorite designer, because I want a game that's simple, because I have a bad brain, and I want to be able to, have to remember to play to explain the game three, three months from now when I play it again. And so it needs to be simple to explain, but tons of depth where you play it over and over and over, and it's different every time. But on the other side... Have I told you about this thing called HNXX? It's amazing <laughs> and unbelievably complex-ish. Once you learn one, the beautiful th- beauty is there's like over 200 of these games and they're all built off of the original framework. It's like a skeleton, a lot, a really, really robust skeleton with actually just a little bit of connective tissue. So once you learn that that skeleton, you can play all of the games. Uh, you know, nearly infinite lifetime of games of these 18x games, games, which is a small amount of learning. So, and in the enjoyment, the 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 depth and the thinking ahead that 18xx has is amazing. So, I am huge. It's funny. This I feel like this is the first one we've talked about. You can't really like almost be for or against it. It's just kind of like what you prefer. Uh, so so I love my, the apex for me is truly simple and com- not very complex, but a ton of depth. But at the other end, I'll also take a game that, while very complex, actually is pretty simple to execute round by round. And and there are differences, and we're going to talk about a game later where it's just complex for complex. But that's that's a whole other story. So, uh, Andy, what you got? Well, wait, Chris. Before we go to Andy, yeah. real quick, oh, yeah, I sure. got I got to ask this. Oh, yeah. gee, here we go. There's over 218 XX games. How is that even possible? I thought correct. It was okay, over, so I thought that yeah. was like 1836, and then it would go on to 1900. How do you? Don't you run out of numbers? In it <laughs> yeah. In so, year? so that's what happened. Is right. Is it, this 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 genre is so popular that yes, they ran. I, actually, I don't think every year has been taken technically, um, and the reason the years were based on. So, side note. Well, not side note, but on co- topic. A piece that's important to this puzzle is the fact that all the games, because they're made, they're old man games, history and stuff really matters to the people who play these and the designers. So the maps and the companies within the game and all the stuff are historical to a particular region. And the date is based on a particular time frame for that region. So, um, so, and then, so that's why not all the numbers have been taken, but then they'll be like, Hey, I want to one make one, make one about Nebraska, but 1871 or whatever has been taken. And that's the number I would want. So it's called 18 NEB because of it. So that's how you can have more than a hundred when there's okay. only a hundred years. Boring. <laughs> that's fine. Whatever. I want to play 1839 on Mars. Can we do that? Uh, no, because that's <laughs> okay. impossibly historically. <laughs> well, you don't live in that alternate reality because the multiverse and all that. Daniel can I mean, explain okay. on his turn. I'm, I'm up for um, this. But anyway, I'm going to jump in here, and I'm going to tell you this. First of all, two things. One of the reasons we decided to uh, choose this topic is, you know, we, we always categorize games by different things, right? So we categorize them by player count, uh, mechanics, uh, theme. And one of those things that comes up from time to time is weight of a game. And so i got to tell you this real quick story. We may have addressed it on the show before, but it's just such a good story. I've just got to tell it one more time just in case we haven't told it. And that is uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Dave, and I were at uh, Origins a few years back, and we were looking at a new game. At the time, it was the game Raids, which is actually a pretty light game. Um, by Yellow, a uh, fun little race game where you uh, are Vikings. Uh, but anyway, we uh, we went to the booth, and lo and behold, uh, someone who was demoing the game, we asked them, is this a, uh, a heavy game or a light game? And she picked up the box, and she said, eh, it's not too heavy. 
<laughs> now you can just chalk that up to her being a booth babe. By the way, I found out booth babe, that is not necessarily an offensive term. I went and actually found the actual definition from the highly reliable source, Wikipedia. Booth babe is, quote, a female model hired to represent a product and interact with consumers at a trade fair or similar event. So there you go. I don't know if she so was a model you, or not. But. So if you're at a board game and you think you're dealing with a model, you can just ask them what the weight of a game is. And yeah. then that's, that's and they'll the, tell you. Yeah. Okay. But look, <laughs> I got to get to my point here. So that's that's just a little story side note. Truth be told, I can't always tell if, if there's a right formula for whether a game is going to be good based on weight. I can't tell you. It's just there's just something in a game that uh, scratches something in my brain that I really like. A lot of times it happens with heavier games, but there's times it doesn't. Case in point, uh, I've played a few heavy Euro, Euros, Euros, Euros or Euros. They were more like Euros because they, that's how I felt about them. Oof, I just didn't want to play it again. And uh, one of those were going to come up on, on Play Shelf Trade later, and that was in, and I guess I got to give it another shot is Barrage. That's that's an example of one that I was like, oh, man, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. But then there's plenty of others that I really love, like Feast for Odin, Clans of Caledonia. There's a, there's a bunch of heavy Euros that I really like. All in all, I, I can't say that it's proportional. I can't say if it's a heavy game, I'm going to like it. If it's a light game, I'm not going to like it. It really just depends. There's so many other factors it's almost really a pointless stat for me. So there you go. The only thing it tells you is it tells you whether it's going to take a long time or not, I guess. <laughs> Dana, what do you think? Yeah, so I think the weight of a game is something that's super important. Um, I, I'm going to attack a board game Jesus, Tom Vassell, here for a moment. Because he is anti-talking about the weights of the game because he thinks it has something like it kind of turns other people away. But I want to speak of the greatness of the community's collective deciding on using this term weight because it truly does give us an indication of what we are about to open. Yes. Uh, to go back to my word, I used uh, uh, earlier and that Chris likes to use the filthy casuals may have no idea what weight is and that's fine. That stat is not for them. If we tell them this is a four weight and they go, I don't know, that's fine. But if I tell, you know, my friend Ryan Evans that this is a four weight, he's going to be like, tell me more if i tell him it's a one weight he's gonna be like shouldn't we have our kids around like should, i mean do you want me to bring over the kids so like the weight is a very important stat that we highlight um and then and, and also we'll let you know if you're gonna generally like a game or not i am an omni gamer i will play any game i will play my kids i will play ticket to ride junior and enjoy it and I will play 18xx and love it. And everything in 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 the middle is perfectly fine. I'm never going to be scared away from something that is like too heavy or too light. But you swing as, both ways. That's that's right. So as I and as I go uh, more into uh, my board gaming maturity, I am skewing more heavy because I've already experienced a lot of this medium weight games, and they're 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 very like uh, a mediocre at best. Sometimes. They can shine sometimes again i'm on the game i'll play everything but i think the more you're familiar with mechanics the more you want to see more of that the more you want to dig in deeper and deeper and deeper so um while everyone's path is going to be a little bit different my path is definitely you know going heavier and heavier because that is what's going to provide the best depth and strategy in board games for me right now so yeah uh so john what about you what, where's your I'm super interested in hearing what you say, because I think you're going to be the one offshoot from this all. <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? But honestly, I would. I, I went through like trying to rack my brain about how I feel about different weights, because a lot of times, as you know, I put theme above almost everything else with my game that gets me interested in it. But then it has to have the mechanics to back it up. 
as a matter of fact, my first thing I ever kickstarted was a game called, uh, I had to write it down. It's a long name. Uh, the original Sherlock Holmes and his band of irregulars. And it's because I had read every Sherlock Holmes story of the original printing ever made. And so I'm a huge fan. I'm like, this cannot go wrong. I've got to get this game and it looks beautiful. Okay. And then I get it. It's, it's a weight of 1.67 officially on board game geek and go fish is probably more interesting than this game. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's a beautiful version of just here's some cards, try to get some of the cards and you really don't have agency on even doing the set collection because it's so random. And so, yeah, it, it was too light. It was, I played it a couple times and I sold it before it lost all its worth. And I really can't think of a heavy game that I've played that I've been that disappointed in or that I've hated as much as I've hated that game. And because I've enjoyed a lot, I have to be talked into playing them a lot. And there's reasons for that. I don't buy many heavy games, but I do have, th these are both pretty heavy. Uh, Kangasieros and Jerusalem are both pretty heavy games and they play completely differently. You have a whole bunch of different decisions to make in Kangasieros. Jerusalem, you have to play one card out of your hand. Like Chris was saying, that's, that's kind of a cool mechanic where what you're doing is simple. The thought, press behind, thought process behind it and what that's going to affect in the game is where the complication comes in. And that's really where a lot of it is in Jerusalem. And, but it's a heavier game. There's a lot going on and I really enjoy it. So, and between that and then uh, what other ones like Brass and Grand Austria Hotel, I really couldn't think of heavier games that I didn't enjoy at some, in some way, shape or form. So there's that. However, How about Keyflower, John? I wouldn't really consider that a heavy game. That's maybe <laughs> midweight. It's just not good. But, but moving on from that, the reason I don't play much, I don't buy much because they're always long and you have to get them to the table. And I, I want playability. I want games that I can get played. And I don't really seek out to play in that often if I haven't already played them because of my huge case of uh, GLA, game length anxiety. So because I'm always afraid I'm not going to enjoy it. And I could have played three games I would have enjoyed, guaranteed, but I chose, chose to play this one heavy game that then I end up not liking, which is funny because I usually end up liking them. But speaking of going too long into the teach, that first half hour into the teach, you're doubting yourself. Like, am I going to like this game? Am I not? And so, like I say, when I have time to play them, I do enjoy the heavyweight games, to be honest. Um, but I don't know if I'm not, I don't really seek them out like Daniel does. I'm actually surprised by this, John. And what I'm actually hearing, I think Chris is happy to hear this too, is you want to play 18XX with us next time. Not yeah. necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but but in, in all honesty, no, please. <laughs> in all honesty, you actually should, John. But uh, also, you fix this problem by playing the same game you already know you love and not playing a new game. So yes. there's that. But yes. in truth, not being beating that old dead horse. I, I will say that there's one failing that BGG has for this. First of all, it's on a five point scale and not a ten point scale, which drives me mad. That's just stupid. And also, we need to have a difference in complexity and in depth those are two very different things but that one little that one scale is what both are put on and and that really changes things because for example there ain't a whole lot of depth to feast of odin but every time i played it there's somehow more going on in the game i don't know how it's possible but every single time there's more on the board i hate yeah. that game now, I, I oh it's such you. a good there's some kind of magic formula and there's a old podcast called duke uh dukes of dice that they try to they try to formulate this because there has to be a better stat out there and it's like depth to complexity so if sure. it's like super light but it's really complex that's a horrible game right. and if it's super heavy but super complex that can also be kind of a bad experience there's this like x factor in the middle that like that's the goal that's what well, everybody wants 
and that's kind of what I was going to in my original explanation is I, I can't really define it, but if complexity is but there and it, 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 if it itches that part of my brain, you know, I, if, yeah, yeah. When I, when I know it, I see it or when I see it, I know it exactly. Something like that. Something like that. Good what do man you think? Said. By the way, those of you out there, be sure and hit like, subscribe, and comment, and uh, let us know if the weight of a game affects, uh, you know, your choice in what you play or do not play. And spam BGG to fix the complexity system. <laughs> Round two, fight! Today we're going to take a look at Pompero. We have the privilege of being given a review copy. And while our infrastructure isn't set up to actually do really quality playthrough videos, we wanted to make sure that the game was given a uh, the, the highlight it deserved. So we went to the Kickstarter page and we're just going to let them explain how to play their game. It still is only going to be a two minute explanation, but they're going to do it a lot better than us. So here you go. This is how you play Pompero. In Pampero, players compete to build a renewable energy infrastructure across Uruguay, build wind farms to generate energy, and create electrical towers to gain powerful bonuses and unlock more of your power grid. Each player starts the game with an identical set of action cards, which include things like building wind farms or electrical towers, fulfilling contracts, or moving bulldozers. On a player's turn, they place an action card from their hand to their action board, placing it in the leftmost available slot on the top or bottom of the board. Each letter matches a zone on the game board. A are rural, B are industrial and resort, and C is the major metropolitan area in Uruguay, Montevideo. Players can select between A and B in the top row or B and C in the bottom row. The zone selected affects the cost of the action and the zone on the board where the action takes place. Ouch! After three turns, a consolidation phase allows players to collect only the rightmost card from either the top or bottom row of their action board. All other cards remain on the board and cannot be used again on the next turn. Be careful to plan your actions carefully so cards you wish to play more often are on the end of the row and accessible during consolidation. Players will eventually need to spend an action to retrieve all their cards, but starting over again on the action board means actions will be more expensive. The Power Grid and Income, or PG&I board, is at the center of each player's company. As the game progresses, electrical towers are moved from the player's PG&I board to the main game board, unlocking greater potential. Contracts are moved from the game board to players' PG&I boards, generating income. At the end of the game, the player with the most money wins. Well, in this next segment, it's uh, all about a game that is not out yet. That's right, it's Pampero. It's currently on Kickstarter. We had a chance to play it, and Ape Games was uh, kind enough, uh, generous enough to send us a review copy to take a look at. They're not a sponsor, but they did send us this game, and we specifically reached out to them because we saw them at Gen Con, and it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, so I want to thank the folks there, including Kevin, who sent us the review copy. And in the future, we might get to do a little sit-down with the uh, designer of the game. Uh, that would be one Julian. Pombo, Julian Pombo. I'm probably not pronouncing his name completely incorrectly, and so forgive me, but that is who we're going to talk to potentially in the future. But first, let's uh, let's talk about this game a little bit and uh, tell you what we think about it. I was able to play one full playthrough, and as is the case with a lot of heavier games, um, during the explanation, I was kind of snoozing. 
Uh, I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into, and I thought, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But as it turns out, the more I played the game, the more it felt pretty good. Um, I really enjoyed the mechanic of being able to play cards in different zones, an A, B, or C. Uh, and also, uh, they cost more to play them in the different zones. So if you play a card in an A, it's going to be cheaper than playing it in a C. But the, the benefits of playing it in a C are much better. And I thought that was kind of a cool mechanic because you can choose at any time where you're going to play these cards and do different things. Uh, the question I had after one play is whether or not everything was as balanced as it should be. There was a little bit of concern with that. So in this game, you're placing uh, windmills and power lines, and you're basically trying to uh, run an entire country, the country of Uruguay, I believe, uh, 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 by wind power. And so... Interesting enough, uh, early on, it can be pretty powerful. As it goes on and there's more strain on the system, you start to realize, huh, maybe this wind power isn't all it, it's cut out to be, <laughs> which I don't know <laughs> if that was on purpose or not, but uh, I thought it was kind of thematically kind of interesting, actually. But uh, no, the question is, 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 are some of the power tiles balanced enough? Uh, now, the way these things work is when you play power lines, you got to select two different power tiles. They have to be adjacent to each other. Uh, and... Uh, there are all there are duplicates of each one, I believe. And so some of them really teamed up well together if you got both of them. And so the question was, is that a little unbalanced? I, I almost think one of the solutions I thought I came up with that uh, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but is that uh, we make sure that those two tiles that uh, can team up together really well uh, aren't right next to each other when you place them out there in the grid. Um, so that's just one th question I have. But otherwise, I really liked how it came together. It seemed to have some new mechanics in it. Um, it, it did uh, maybe feel like it was dragging a little bit toward the end uh, as far as length of game. But then again, that could be that we were just, two of us were brand new to it. And uh, um, the rules were, well, the rule book was a little bit lacking uh, for sure. But we were able to find some uh, uh, play it videos online and stuff that helped significantly. Uh, and it, we were playing it late at night. But uh, I left it uh, wanting to play it again. I, I left it wanting to try it again. Um, anytime a game makes me want to play again immediately afterwards, that's usually a really good sign. So I think this game has promise. It's a heavy Euro with some interesting, unique mechanics. That is Pampero. And those are my uh, thoughts on it. Daniel, how about you? Yeah, before I get into mine, I just want to say something real quick. Randy and I are the ones who actually like read the rules and figured it out. And the rules uh, that were in the box were not the final rules at all, which led to some of the confusion. So don't hear us criticize the rules at all. If, if that comes out, just know it was a prototype. And uh, we actually don't know what the official rules are going to be. But when we found them online, the rules online were a lot more straightforward than what we had. So so the well, rules I would are probably... Never, I would never probably, criticize the rules. I was only criticizing you and Randy. No, fair. <laughs> that will allow. So, all right. Uh, so, guys, the Pompero for me was uh, a game that seemed really exciting. I was uh, really stoked for it. Um, I really liked the heavyweight games. And when Andy put this on his list in Gen Con, I kind of didn't have a lot of interest into it because the theme of the windmills or whatever, I was like, eh, not a big deal. But then when I saw the box was the size of like Gloomhaven. Actually, it's not quite that big, but it was pretty big. I was like, oh, I'm all of a sudden more interested in this than I thought I was. Um, so we got the game out and it looks beautiful. The uh, double layer boards are wonderful. And then I started reading the rules and the rules are really cool. Uh, Andy said it about the card lane mechanics where you, you play in the A and the B and the C. Really genius idea. I love that mechanic and I want to see that in more games. Um, it was a really fun thing about how long do I leave my actions on the board so I can get cheaper actions later. And when do I pull them off because I want to take this action again. So really great things there. But in the end, I did leave the game feeling a little like meh on it. 
And largely it's because the more times we played it, the more times we realized that there was probably a single strategy to go towards. Um, we really had to emphasize the uh, building the towers because you had to build towers before you can build windmills, before your income can go up and before you can get contracts on the board. Essentially, if you want to do anything in this game, you have to move up those contracts, which then tells you or uh, that you have to move up the towers, which says you have to build the towers. So when you play a card, if you have the ability to play the tower, you just have to do it. There, there, you don't really have another option that is actually a viable strategy, in, in my opinion. So once we all came to terms with that, we're like, okay, great, build towers. Well, now we're building towers, and now we realize that contracts, that solar contracts are actually immensely more powerful than all the other countries contracts because you get them when you play a uh, a tower so if you play a tower and you get a contract and that contract goes on your board which gives you a bonus and then that bonus moves up your income track which also gives you a bonus you have to take that action or i could build a windmill i can build a windmill which gives me two energy so what would you like to take would you like to take the action that gives you two energy or would you like to take the action that lets you take eight different actions and a game that only gives you three actions per turn you have to build the towers it just is so yes in the game it was ultimately enjoyable ultimately i had a fun experience but by the end of it it was a little exhausting and it felt a little one-dimensional unfortunately maybe after 20 plays that would change a little bit but honestly even if i owned the game i probably wouldn't play it 20 times so and for me it's a meh so yeah that's it john so, what do you think <laughs> Waiting for Since the big Daniel's just going to leave us with it, man. I was waiting, waiting for the big, big drum roll finish there. No. Um, surprisingly, maybe I enjoyed it more than Daniel did. Of course, I only played the one time, and it was with the teach from him and uh, and Randy. And I remember looking at my watch at nine thirty. I I'd been up since four o'clock that morning, and it's nine thirty. And I think we're halfway through the teach because I'm looking at my board. I'm like, I still have no idea what a lot of this does, and so this teach is not even close to being over. But surprisingly, when I got into it, unlike. Andy, Andy goes into it wanting to win. It's the first time he's playing and he, you know, he wants to win a game. I'm just, I just, let me do some mechanics. Let me see what these cards do. Let me see what happens when I pick them up. Is that a good thing? Is that a good idea? Let me try it and see what happens. Well, it is, it can be a good idea because you can like sneak in some extra actions and then you can do it again the next round. So it's, there's, I want to find out the strategies of, you know, the plus and minuses for do, doing different things. And then I started trying to figure out how to get points out of it. I'd say about halfway through the game. I started trying, okay, I can do this. How can I turn this into points? And I came away actually thinking it's pretty thematic for as complicated ish as the game is that you need the the towers out there and if you don't have towers even though you produce energy you have to pay another player to use their towers in that area that makes sense that's that's thematic that i was seeing towards the end of the game where the theme is coming from and you need batteries to supply the people in the rural areas because you can't put towers there you're going to have to have batteries so you're producing batteries if you're producing batteries you're going to be able to get stuff other people can't do i thought yeah, if, if unlike other games, like I was saying, I, I've enjoyed other heavy games. Brass was one of the ones I mentioned. Brass, I enjoyed playing. I could not begin to tell you how to play brass. There is nothing intuitive about brass. There is nothing that really makes sense and clicks halfway through the game. I understand why I have to do X, Y, and Z. I never understand. I remember I have to do X, Y, and Z. That's where a game like this, I think, is better than brass because you do halfway through the game. Well, it makes sense. That's why I have to do this before I do this. Games like Brass, the, the, where there's really no connection there, still a quality game. I still enjoyed my play of it. But yeah, I, this game, I feel like I could teach you how to play Pampero. And that was one play and with having one teach taught to me in a very complex game-ish, if you want to call it that. I think it looks more complicated than it is, to be honest. 
I think you look at your board, you see all the stuff you're moving around and you're thinking, oh my God, what, am, what do I do? What do I do? And then, oh, I can put this here and that gives me this and I move up on that. And it's pretty simple when you read the read the terminology and all that. So I'm, I would like to play it again myself. I, I found it, I found my play enjoyable and I would play it again. Um, yeah, that, that's high praise from John saying that this, this so, overcomplicated right. board looks like it all comes together pretty well because it does look overcomplicated and there's a lot of yeah. options, but you're right, John, it, it, it does streamline it and it makes sense. I didn't yeah, want to say, I didn't comment on how beautiful it is. It's a beautiful game. Uh, the, the map is great. The way they put it on, they don't just put it on there. Like, okay, here's your map from high school. It's a cool looking way they display the map and it makes sense. Like you know, Daniel was mentioning that there's more wind on the coast. So when you put your windmills there, they produce more and it's also cost more to build there. So yeah, there's you know, a, lot of, a lot of parts about it that I liked. One more thing I like about having a board game collection is I like having games that represent different countries, and I did not have a game for Uruguay there you go. on my shelf. So there, there you go. go. <laughs> all right. So so first of all, like uh, when we first started talking about this game and seeing it for the board for uh, Gen Con preview and stuff like that, this one couldn't have been farther off of my board because yeah. of how unbelievably complex the pictures looked. Like it, it like it like immediately I wasn't surprised Andy liked it because it like it felt like feast for Odin when he looked at it. It was just like crap everywhere, and you're like, what's going on here? But uh, yeah, uh, we'll get to actually how I feel in a minute. But again, initially I was against it uh, for that reason. But I will say though, in the, I'm glad I actually went last here. Normally I hate going last because usually by then it's like, well, everyone said everything there is to say and I don't even know what I'm going to say now, right? But I will say that I was able to piggyback off of both Andy and Daniel here about how the theme maybe is like more beautiful and more ingrained and part of it than I ever gave it a, a credit for because Daniel's like, he doesn't like the fact that you have to have the towers everywhere. Well, if you don't have towers anywhere, you don't have power. Okay. So you're intuitively based on theme forced to get all your towers out. Oh, okay. I can actually get behind that now. Now that I think about it that way. And then the fact that Andy talked about how inefficient wind power is because we all know it's actually a crapshoot. It's, <laughs> not useful at all and in the game i'm all about high economic games that's not a surprise that's how i like i'm all about playing the the, the games where on turn four you pay five dollars for something that's going to return one dollar over the next four rounds which is technically a loss of a dollar but it's worth it because of the way the, the build up the engine of games work this one it just tells you wind power sucks because you pay like $17 for something that's going to net you maybe $5 by the end of the game. And what? The guy don't even understand. The math doesn't make any sense. And then the way you really make points is actually selling the contracts from the energy that you bought that was inefficient that somehow is enough to feed these people. I, I don't know. I don't. That part still doesn't make any sense. But it does shine on the fact that you need towers everywhere to make energy happen and that wind power sucks. Um, but in regards to the actual fun and play of the game, I liked it. Like I, it's, it's weird. It has it, through the, I played it twice and then talking with other people who've played it more. You know, I'll talk about all these other guys around the table who've played it other times and their plays and different things. It does seem like there's maybe an imbalance with some of the cards that come out. Like they're not all made equal. And it's not like, first of all, we start with stack a, which is this level of balance. And then by the end we're playing with stack f and they're super powerful but you only get them at the end of the game that would work but here it just seems like they're all jumbled together and you could just have some like unbelievably powerful combos come out or just crap and that never feels good 
So that particular part of the game is kind of like maybe could use some work, in my opinion. But the game as a whole, it it's enjoyable. Like after I got done with the first time, I was like, hmm, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this game. I felt a little underwhelmed because of the how inefficient the the engine was. Like I was just like, I want to give this another game, but it was really ungratifying like how inefficient the powering the the engine building of the power was and so i was like this is weird but i want to give it another try and then by the end of the second i was like okay i'm more okay with it because i understand how the game's going to work it still wasn't super gratifying but i still enjoyed it and would be willing to play it in the future but again like i will have to admit like those cards they do feel like kind of imbalanced and probably need some work there but as a whole like it's it's it, I've been on a mass I've not been on a roller coaster with a game on how I feel about it in two plays more than I don't even know like even now I feel different about it while talking about it than I did before we started talking about yeah. it so I agree I, with Chris like this is a game you have to keep playing because I think yeah. you're you're going so if you're a person who's like I love to play the same game over and over and over again I think there's going to be something here for you if you're like a one and done kind of guy ah this is probably not gonna like speak to you very highly. But see, that's the sign of a good game, uh, I think, is that, that there is going to be replayability. And, and a couple things that I have to piggyback off of Chris on now, and one is the fact that, yeah, I, the more I played the game, the more I question whether the designer was kind of trolling people over the sure. fact that wind power is not the most efficient thing. Because it's like, it really did play out like that. And the other thing is, is despite that, you still have to put towers and windmills out there. Okay. I mean, windmills specifically, you have to put the windmills out there. Even though they suck, you have to put right. them out there because that unlocks all these extra things yeah. that you can do, like in, extra income and stuff. And it's almost, it's almost like it was uh, designed to say, oh yeah, this is uh, like government incentives yep. to do this. <laughs> Even though no, it sucks, it we're going to yep. pump money into it. And so, yeah, if you put your windmill out there, we're going to give you more of this and more of that. And it's just, it's fascinating. I need to ask the designer if that was intentional or if it just kind of accidentally happened. I know he watch it be like a big wind advocate. And we're going to be like, he, he, might, yeah. he might be really <laughs> offended by us saying this, but it just kind of played out like that. The, but the, to, the, to, to, to uh, Chris's point as well, Daniel, you didn't like the power lines, but yeah, like he said, you have to have power lines to have power. Not everything's a Marvel movie where power is just come out of nowhere. <laughs> Well, they needed Tony Stark to develop whatever that arc reactor and arc that reactor, would solve yep. all this issue. So get on it. <laughs> I will say, I was going to say earlier that uh, we're going to get so much hate mail from Big Windmill. We will. That's right. Big, big Wind <laughs> is going to be out to get us. Big Wind. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a Big Wind, let us know that you're offended by this, but leave a comment. And hey, maybe Hansa will read it when he returns. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> It would be, it would nice, be to nice to get some to get mail eventually. Hansa's Hansa's been without a job, guys. We need Hansa right. back. Give us a good comment. Tell us how wrong we are. Tell us how right we are. Make fun of Andy relentlessly. Whatever it takes, but let's get Hansa back. Mail at aroundtheboard.net. Mail at aroundtheboard.net. We'll be right back. We'll return. Nice. After that was good. All right, guys, it's the time you've all been waiting for. We met so many cool people at Gen Con, and we are super excited to give away a couple of games. Uh, we, we just found uh, so many cool people. John, who were some of your favorites that you ran into? Do you remember anybody in particular that really just, you know, got your attention? 
the uh, the lady that was always uh, calling out Daniel because he wasn't there. That was the best. That <laughs> son of a bleep. Where is the blue bleep? Why isn't he here? She was not happy that Daniel no, wasn't she there. Was not happy. That, she that was, was a self-fulfilling prophecy, however, started by by Andy. So <laughs> well, I didn't know. know at the time, but it was. You hey, I got a fan club. What can I say? I mean, That's I true. like myself, though. So why you wouldn't everybody else? You. There's no way around it. So <laughs> I enjoyed. We we met. I mean, we really did meet some cool people. We met everything from. Uh, we got a lot of cosplayers that came up and talked to us. Do you remember that's that one true. night they were coming back from like a dance or something and they were hanging out with oh, us yes. and they were what were they dressed one, as characters from five nights at freddy's i think or something uh, like that then there was that girl that came up to us with the with the uh origami she kept making i don't oh, know yeah, what the deal was cool. with that she was like waiting was for her really friends cool. and she was wanting to make them some more tell me something to make tell, and she would just make stuff it's like man, i love the family from, in her, uh, she can do anything there was a family from wisconsin who was uh quite uh quite uh quite the crew that were, yeah. were fun to talk to they as well right. anyway so many cool people we met I wish we could give a prize to each and every single one of them. Unfortunately, we can't. What we will do, though, is award two prizes right now. So first, our runner-up prize, we're going to throw in a copy of Ticket to Ride San Francisco. Chris and is let's go ahead and seal of approval. Get it started. Let's pick a winner. Who could it be? That is going to be Matt Salima 5695. Congratulations, Matt. You are now the proud new owner of a copy of Ticket to Ride San Francisco. Thank you for subscribing to Around the Board. Now, John, what are we yes. going to do for the grand finale? Well, first I'm going to fix my camera. <laughs> you moved it again. What are you Excellent. doing? banging my table. But anyway. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll just pass over you and go straight to Chris. Now, here we go. We're going to give away a copy of Earth, baby. Not this Ooh. one, but a brand new one. Yep. This is the hotness. The hotness. This is the hotness. And you know, all of us on this show love Earth. Yes. Or do we? It's the hotness, that's for sure. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I like it anyway. It's fun. <laughs> and it's and it's the hotness. So let's yes. do it. Mm -hmm. Is it hot because of climate change? Omicron 145! You Ooh. are the winner of Earth! Congratulations! Thank you for being a subscriber, and thank you to each and every single one of you who joined the program to try and win a game. I promise you we'll give away more games in the future, and I promise you, you will be entertained, or you won't. That's right. <laughs> That's a good promise. Appreciate the future Alma reference there, Omicron. So. All right, we're back, and, well, let's get right into why people are here. Would you like to play a game? Shall we play a game? Okay. I feel like I should have got more points in the first round. Just saying. <laughs> well, you know. Well, Randy's well. the referee, so. That's right. True. We hate that guy. Three. Fight! <laughs> Alright, so, uh, uh, what does this script say? Oh. This is the part of the show where Larry comes out and sings a silly song. Uh, no, it's not, Andy. I'm oh. sorry. That is, that's a great intro, but not for this. Oh, uh, okay. This is the time where we do tabletop team up. It's a new, a new, a new segment for us guys. Is everybody excited about tabletop team? Oh man. See, I must've missed the meeting. I must've missed I the meeting. Cause I, I thought we were going to call it tabletop twister. I even downloaded this. Listen. Get you all twisted and tangled. It's a twister. Wow. Yeah, okay. My favorite part about this is, Andy, is we never called it War Game Twister. <laughs> I, my other favorite part is the meeting you missed was probably called by you. <laughs> probably so. Also but I just wanted to play the old Twister theme song. That was the old board game from like the 60s. Anyway, anyway, I'm sorry, John. Continue. Thank you. This is Tabletop Team Up, 
which actually was inspired by Marvel. So, so Daniel should be happy about it. The old Marvel team up where we always put Spider-Man with that somebody part. else teamed him up for a comic. Well, what we do in, in, in tabletop team up is you take a board game, you mix it together with another board game, maybe, or mix it together with an IP that maybe it doesn't have, whatever. You do something to improve a board game by teaming it with something else. So that's tabletop team up. And I, actually, I think I'm going to change things up here a little bit. Usually Uh-oh. the host goes first, but I'm going to send it around the board and go last because I really want to see what everybody else does first before I before I go on the line with mine. I'm, I'm going to usurp the authority and send it to Chris as we go around the board. You can't just change the rules. We can't just I, I think do I it. Just did. Do it live. Do it live. Yeah. I, I'll write it and we'll do it live. I love how about everything about the last 10 seconds was actually like just OG around the board. Like when we started, it was you started it and then we'd go around the board and then Andy would do the do it live every single time he could. Every so. time. <laughs> everything about that was OG around the board. So that's fantastic. It's Throwback, kind of baby. Exactly. So, all right. Anyway. Um, okay. So I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to let the people pull back the curtain here. Uh, so what uh, the origin of this segment was uh, we were driving back from uh, Gen Con and we were just kind of talking about things organically and stuff like that. We started talking about down, downforce and I was just like, yeah, it's okay. Like it's a fine game. It's, it's, it's fine, but I, it just, it's missing something for me. And for me, the reason it's missing something is it feels like you just need to get lucky and get dealt the best cards so to speak or most cards for a single color and then bet on yourself and win and then you're going to win because you're going to bet on yourself and you're going to get the win from the win and i'm like that's it just doesn't feel super great like it does it's it's not the spirit of the game where you're supposed to be bidding on the winner and so i mean a very simple fix for that i've always said is just you it has nothing you're, you're not a car you're just betting on the cards being played but that's another story so i was like well what could we do to fix the cards and i was like well what if we like do a drafting mechanism? And yeah, there's kind of standard drafting, kind of like seven wonders or that they originally came up with for magic, the gathering and stuff like that. And then I was like, well, what, what if we used like the uh, system from stockpile, right? Where there's like, you know, the different piles and you, and you kind of have the little board and you're like, okay, I'll go in the zero. So I got outbid and then you kind of go around. And so maybe you deal the cards out all face up. And then I, I, I thought that I was like, well, maybe that'll help. And then we started talking and then it, we got here to where we're doing this segment. But since then I've got to think, and I was like, well, that still doesn't fix the problem because unless you're an idiot, even if you don't win the pile with the best cards, you're still going to bet on the pile with the best cards. So I, I'm not even sure that actually fixed it anyways, but regardless, uh, I want to try to figure it out. <laughs> That's a long story. It's a long story to say that my, my team up is downforce and stockpile my game called Downpile. Thank you. Downpile. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh what's the logo for that one? Oh, i mean i don't know a poop <laughs> emoji well the it's guy's kind of like the kinds of guys already kind of like sitting right so maybe just kind of like angle him up and then just <laughs> right? i don't know i like I it know. i like it well uh so to be honest with you I, I i didn't give this one as much thought as i'd like but i i, I what i started thinking about is and i didn't get into specific games so to speak but i got into the two types of games i really 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 like right so i like a heavy euro game with a lot of tension so a game for me that i really love is heaven and ale i love uh most of the ui games because they have that tension especially the original agricola which i know some of you guys just hate but the be- best thing about that is if you didn't feed your people man you're gonna die you gotta feed your people that's like that. In fact, some people describe that, that game as "feed your people or die." I mean, that might as well be the game. But anyway, there's a lot far. of tension. What's that? 
Misery Farm. Misery Farm. Okay. <laughs> Misery Farm. I like, it. <laughs> I like that. We could do a playoff of the state of Missouri too. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I like the tension in those some of those heavy euros. And then the other thing I love is I love me some hidden role games like Secret Hitler and Avalon Resistance and and the like. And so I was thinking, I was like, what if we could combine the tension of a heavy euro with a hidden role game? And what you're doing is is you're scrutinizing their dis- people's decisions in this heavy euro game because you're going are they are they making this decision because they know something or it's because they're just an idiot are they trying to throw us off and it's like uh, anyway some way to combo up the idea of a hidden role game with a heavy tension euro worker placement game could it ever happen does it exist what do you guys think could that uh, take place i'm curious what your guys thoughts are so like I said, you're somehow mechanizing it. just my thought press anytime i play a board game yeah. Like, uh, maybe what maybe. is what are they doing here this doesn't make what, are, sense. what is going on over there <laughs> so i like right. it I don't, I don't know how you do it but i do like the idea of somehow mechanizing that that sounds great there you go there's my tabletop team up so i'm gonna break the fourth wall a little bit here guys because uh this was hard for me this was really tough and when they told me their ideas i was like so you want me to take like two board games and mash them together you know like dominion and area control Oh, that already exists. It's called Tyrants of the Underdark. Or should I take a Euro and a social deduction and mash them together? Oh, that that exists too. It's called Deal with the Devil. So I'm I am going to actually, and then also they were like, so then they were trying to explain it to me. No, no, it's like fixing a game. So I'm like, so you want me to come up with house rules for a game? Did the last episode we just all agree that house rules are horrible? So uh, despite my protests. Uh, we're going to be doing this segment. We have been doing it, but I could not mix two board games together because I'm not a board game designer. I have no idea. So what I'm going to do is instead is default to my favorite thing ever. And that is Marvel. I'm going to put Marvel on the theme of a game. And I will tell you, even that's already been kind of done. And that is with this like a thousand times right here. Of heroes is a Euro about the X-Men. I am complete. I am done, but okay. No, but really this would be my pick. (laughs) My pick is terraforming Marvel. All right. So you could take terraforming Mars, hear me out. And on the board, instead of a planet, you have a blank comic book page with a bunch of panels on it. And all over the time you are constructing the panels, you are building together the best story via, you know, like different backstories, you know, that, that would be like kind of like the three things that you have to terraform. So you're, you're doing compelling backstories. You're doing, uh, you're doing uh, adversity to overcome, and then you're becoming the like the ultimate villain. And once you get all three of those placed onto the board, that would be, haha! You've terraformed Marvel. You made one of the best comic books collectively you have ever made. Um, but just like comic books, there's always a better writer than this person or that person. So like you know, you ultimately become the Chris Claremont of the game, and, and so that means you win because you are the best comic book writer for the X Men. So here we go, terraforming. Marvel, Make you know it what happens, stronghold. You know what the I like word that idea. You know what the word terraforming means, though, right? Yeah, it means uh, making. Uh, I, no, I don't. I have. I know nothing. <laughs> it just means making it livable, like Earth. Yeah, like yeah, make Marvel so, livable again. There you go. Make I, I actually, uh, I can get behind. So, so you're talking about the current status of the movie universe. You're right. I'm actually talking about the current status of the comic book universe. Yeah. I haven't so read comics aside, in a while because they they've hurt my soul. They've yeah, make Marvel aside, great again. Jokes aside, what you're saying, Daniel, though, I think I like the idea, except I think it should just be of canvas because oh. you kind of like build the picture together with the different layers. So then it's yeah. like 
you know, th- this frame okay, plus this frame plus this frame. That's okay, a lame game. Okay, That's up, a lame Chris. game. John, what do you got? <laughs> Chris, shut up. Did, did Chris oh, just that John's game? Uh, we'll are find you serious? Out. We'll find out. Well, I just took away some of the surprise. Yes. Mine, mine, mine focuses on a game on a past previous great game debate. I wonder what game that could be that two of us really didn't like. No. Ah. So you say that games where you spend your turns making frou-frou pieces of art and following your own creative instincts just don't seem like the right experience for you? You want to add some adventure and danger into your game night? Well, I've got the game for you. We've combined a great game, redesigned paintings, with a classic dungeon-crawling adventure. Introducing Canvast. Oh, nice. You did some work. Well done, sir. Wow. There it is. In Canvast... You take on the role of a rugged artistic knight such as Franck the Fearless or Bruce the Baroque as you enter a series of crystalline caverns in search of the dragon guarding a rich bounty. Not only must you overcome obstacles and foes along the way, but when you reach your destination, you must then use layered transparent cards you've collected along the way to piece together a painting that best describes your journey. Whoever is playing as the dragon awards treasure to the artistic knights who present the most impressive pieces. Canvassed for two to five inspired spelunkers. All right, John just won the whole show today. I know. Well, not only now that, you I've guys know well whose idea this was. John had something in mind. This wasn't he my even idea. made a this card. Yeah. I even have some cards that would look good for that. Wow. And then look at this. This one's actually called Vast Game. How about that? What? Man, I, wow. I stole your segment and you still I know. won. I'm like, like I don't know how that happened. That was incredible. My gosh. I actually, until you mentioned it, I didn't know what I was going to do. Oh. And then I... <laughs> Wait, what? What? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> until you well, mentioned Canvas, I, then I threw everything out and did this. <laughs> so, wait, you made that in like the 30 second? That's yes. okay. Yes. I'm, uh... It was editing. It was editing. <laughs> Sure. Well, John, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. All right. Well, see, tell us what you have, what you have out there. I'm sure you have some ideas of some games that would go well together. Help Daniel out. Give him a good idea. And please post it in the comments down below. My As idea was great. You like and subscribe. Wonderful. Terraforming Marvel. <laughs> Round four. Fight. All right. Well, we're back to our favorite segment, our trademark the one segment that makes us different from everything else out there. Cause otherwise we're exactly the same as everyone else. <laughs> okay. That is play shelf trade. All right. So we like to kind of theme the episodes a little bit. So we reviewed Pompero and we talked about heavy games. So we got to play shelf trade. Some of the three heaviest games about energy. So we're going to do this a little bit different though. What we're going to do is I'm going to start with one of my choices and then we're going to go around the board with what that choice. So I'm like, example, power grid. That's the one I'm going to start with. And then once I say what my play shelf trade is, the next person's going to as well. So, and then we'll go to the next game and we'll go around the board again. So uh, the first game I want to talk about is power grid. Uh, Power grid is one of the classic auction, uh, uh, auction games. And it's about just getting the the grid of a different country to be up and running and you being a part of it. And for me, this game has reemerged itself as a top tier game. So I am going to say, uh, I, actually, I wouldn't put this one on my shelf because I, I want to keep it forever, you know, but right now I'm so hot on this game. That's going to be my play. So power grid is a hundred percent play right now. 
right like I would like to write this moment chris if you come over i will play it with you <laughs> and we're gonna play the expansions we're gonna play the uh the, the little uh thank you for coming chris uh we're gonna play the uh the campaign cards we're gonna do it all i want to experience this game from start to finish power grid is my play john what about you what's power grid lie for you so i don't say my play i say what power grid is for yes me. exactly that ain't my play power <laughs> grid, lovely power grid <laughs> My as I explained before, how I have uh, game length anxiety, especially in a game that looks like Power Grid. Power Grid is old. It looks old. It comes in a weird box. It's it's long, and it looks like a job. Every time I've seen people play it, they look like they're working. And so Power Grid is immediately it's like number three with an anvil on my list with these games. So it is definitely my trade. It is going <laughs> bye bye, bye bye Power All right. Grid. Anvil can have you, Chris. What about you? All right. So first of all, John, like I, I love, I mean, again, people's opinions are their opinions and it's fine. But I personally, I really do think you need to give it a try. It's again, I like it for the, it's the Kinesia factor. It's an old game. So it was super complex back then, but actually now it's pretty light relatively. It's like medium at best and, but it has tons of depth. So you should give it a try. But most of all, most of all, I love your take about how you just hate the box. You hate the frame and freeze box. I love it. I don't know why. It's just, it's so great. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so I I guess I don't need to make it my play right now because apparently I'm going to get a play no matter what I do with Daniel. So fantastic. So I'm going to put it on my on my shelf because yeah, it, it is my number one game. I I had a, a ranked as a ten before we did the show, but I wasn't really sure what my my um, number one sh- uh, game was. I mean, the show as a whole, like around the board, the entire show, not this show. And but then over the course of the show, I've realized it's my number one game. So it definitely has to be my shelf because it has to be with me forever. So gotcha. Andy, what you got? Well, I think you guys know I'm with John on this one. Uh, I've had too many bad experiences with Power Grid. It was an early game, one of the early games I had. I owned, I played it a lot, but uh, it was ruined by playing with, uh, frankly, my brother, who's a CPA, and uh, can figure things out. And part of it is, (laughs) well, I don't want to completely throw him under the bus, but I will, because he'll never watch the show. Um, (laughs) If he figures out mathematically he can't win the game, he's done. He doesn't want to finish playing the game. He's such a poor sport. But uh, no, it's just too much math for me. It just felt like work. John put it perfectly. And and I felt like that of other, other Freeman Freeze games too. I played Factory Manager and it was even worse. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I don't want to, I don't want to take an algebra class. I don't want to, no, this is horrible. This is, this is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be entertaining. It's not, it was none of those things. I wanted it to be, I mean, I thought the theme was trying to be okay with the different forms of power and whatnot, but it just it just was a big miss for me. And and I've played it several times. I played it a bunch early on, and I replayed it not too long ago and, again, felt the same way. Now, I will say this caveat with it, and that is that I have not played very much on any of the other maps besides North America. Chris tells me that that's my big mistake and that I've screwed up because of that. So it's I the guess... The absolute worst map. I guess I need to try it again on some of the other maps, but right now, in its current form, my past experiences, boom, traded. So I, I have to say one more thing about Power Grid before we go to the next one. So when I first got into board gaming, the people who I was playing with, they showed me this cover. and They're like, look at this cover. What do you think of it? And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've seen. And they were like, no, this cover's hideous. How can you like this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just do. <laughs> so I, I know it's one of those like universally hated covers. I really like it. And I think 
running a power yes, grid sounds like Chris. a blast to play in a game and it is so there's my little sidebar all right so this play shelf trade is has to be the hardest play shelf trade i've ever had um these are probably all top 20 games if not top 10 games for me so when i trade one away just know that i would probably trade every game we've talked about ever and uh you know to to play these three games so uh, uh my next one on the list is going to be barrage and i'm going to say barrage is my trade um i really enjoy barrage but it's just um uh, it, i think it's the tightness of it and the take thatness of it it is really hard for people to truly get into that game and really uh want to play it over and over again also there's like character powers that also don't always play well together so out of the three i guess this is my trade but just know i'm doing it with a tear in my eye <laughs> that twinkles so, like the little broad lay for you that trickles down <laughs> it, it twinkles like the little uh rocks that represent the water drops in it that's right, right. that's right Ooh, they look like teardrops. i didn't mean to do that on purpose <laughs> uh I'm sorry. What did you say Barrage was for you? Barrage. That's your trade. Barrage is a trade for me. Okay. So Barrage for me, I've played it like what, two or three times. I think I've enjoyed my plays of it. And I think it's actually going to be my shelf um, just because of reasons I'll explain later for the other one. But yeah, I've enjoyed every play of it. And I think it's very thematic for, like I was saying, a lot of times I always think these heavier games are going to lose their theme, but this one, it, it really keeps it in this. It is, it is a lot of take that just by the nature of the game. I mean, it's, that's the way the game is set up to be. And you just know that going in. So it's and and thematically it works. It's like, no, I'm going to get all that water and I'm going to get all the energy out of it. And I'm going to spit one little water droplet out to you to that big four tall high dam. You've got that you can't do anything with. Plus you can make all those, uh, you, you can say damn all the time, like you're cussing throughout the game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Did you do that on your damn turn? It was, you know, things like that. But, <laughs> But that's always fun to do. It is a fun uh, and for that reason. It's staying on my shelf. What you got, Chris? All right. So it, for me, kind of in this kind of a which goes on brand with what we're talking about Pampero. Like Barrage is my trade because it was fine. It wasn't super gratifying, but it wasn't bad either. It was just it was okay. And I feel like I've discovered everything with the game. Like there's you know like with Pompero I'm so like ah, I feel like I need to play it for more because to learn and and find some more but like I've played Barrage two maybe three times and again I'm just like I, I it's fine it's it, it's okay but I just I don't feel like there's anything left there for me to uh, discover while my play which we'll talk about in a minute I feel it has a lot more to discover so Andy what you got. All right, well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, so Barrage for me is an interesting one. Um, I've only played it once. It was a long time ago, and I really hated it. But all that being said, I'd still rather play it compared to Power Grid because I hate Power Grid that much, which I know is just a sad thing because it's really a popular game with a lot of people, but not with me. Um, Barrage... I need to give it another chance. I really do. I feel like there was some stuff there. Um, it was heavy, certainly. When I was playing it, uh, I don't know. I was playing with Daniel and John, I think, and uh, they knew the game well or better than me, and I didn't at all. And I just, I don't know, I didn't feel very uh, connected to it at the time. But I, I need to give another shot. I will say it, it left me in a state of confusion a little bit. Um, and I just, maybe I just wasn't in a good place to play it that day. I don't know. Um, if I had to compare it to Pompero, for instance, I like Pompero more. It felt like there was more to explore, but there may be something there with Barrage still. So I'll make it my play. All right. And that brings us to our last game and that's going to be pipeline. And that is going to be my shelf pipeline is a really cool, thick, heavy 
Euro thematic game that has tile lane, but also economic engines. And it's uh, just aggressive and uh, in your face. And I really like that about this game. Um, and it is something that I can keep going back to. Uh, I keep wanting to try it. Like every time I play it, there's like a new little route to victory I discover or new little tech tree that uh, makes the game play a little bit differently. So I feel like out of all the three that we have talked about so far, this one has the most diverse um, place uh, from from turn from uh, play to play. And uh, so it's worthy to be on the shelf to play over and over and over and over. Again. <laughs> John, what about Thanks. you? Well, actually, Pipeline is going to be my play, and uh, it's it's not one that I think is thick. I don't know what where that real. Do they do they have it? Is that a description of game? Yeah, thick, thick and thin. They're, they're, it's a thing I'm making. I'm working. Likes his games. You're, thick. you're trying to do. Like you know what I mean, baby? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I but I do. I've always thought Pipeline was a little bit odd, though. How it's this? It's heavy, crunchy, uh, economic type game. And then you got a little game of waterworks going on where you're connecting these pipes together. You know what I'm saying? Like the old, hey, throw a wrench on your pipes. Yeah, it reminds me of waterworks, the old game where you're just building pipes together. And it just seems like an odd mix, but it works. It's, it's, it is a fun game. One thing I've never done in it, you're talking about the different ways to victory, is what is the thing you attach to them to, to force more oil through the pipeline? The There's like, what is it? It's- it's a machine. It, it runs yeah, it by itself. That all it's called yeah. is a machine. Yeah. Yeah. I've just never had the guts to invest in any of those just because it just seems like such a huge invest. Ex- oh, and you could totally screw yourself with the machines too. Because That's what you I was worried run about. Run it manually. You have to do the machines. And if you do it wrong, you just yeah. shot yourself. Because as you might recall, my first time playing Daniel, when, uh, uh, boom i'm getting these contracts and i'm like the first one to get like fifty thousand dollars and i think i ended with fifty two thousand dollars <laughs> nice. i did not spend wisely i'm like well hey i'm just gonna reinvest and it's gonna just come back and i'm gonna get all this money no it did not it did not you can't just spend it willy-nilly and figure it's gonna come back it does not yeah that's yeah, be it's a, not like real life I, yes exactly it's a little bit like real life that way so but it's been a while since i played it Hopefully, I will have relearned those things and won't, won't forget my lessons from the past. But yes, Pipeline is my play. It's a fun game, for sure. Uh, old man Chris, what have you got there, buddy? All right. So, yeah, mine uh, for Pipeline is also going to be my play as well. Uh, I uh, and I feel like in so many ways, this is like Great Western Trail 2.0 for me, uh, especially because like Ryan, our good friend, like he just thought Great Western Trail was the greatest thing ever since sliced bread when it first came out. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine after the first time I played it. Uh, now, granted, that very first play was kind of legendary as for a whole lot of reasons, just a lot of weird social dynamics that made that not a very good play. But <laughs> after a few months later, I actually gave it another try and I really enjoyed it. Uh, now, I, to my knowledge, I think I've only played Pipeline once. Maybe I've played it twice. But each time I'm like, if, if it was twice, I've walked away just being like, I, I guess it's fine fine i don't know but again it maybe it's just not jiving with me and maybe i need to give it a couple more plays because since then i have played western trail and, and i do see the matrix and i do see the beauty of that game now so uh pipeline's probably right there as well i probably just need to play it a bit more and uh and and, and really love it but since uh, uh daniel made it uh, just obvious that this has to be my play because i get to play uh power grid for free already because he's making his play yeah i'll go give him this play i, I want to find out more about it what about you andy so, Chris, just to verify, that was your play was Great Western Trail. Yep, correct. Because <laughs> I think you talked about that more than Pipeline. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, uh, Pipeline. I've got. I've got to get a prop. Hold on. 
Oh gosh, here we go. All right, you're on the clock, man. <laughs> here we go. It's worth it. Pipeline reminds me of one of my favorite NES games of nice. all time, Gyromite, which yes. you could play with Rob. Do you guys remember Robotic Gyromite? Operating buddy. That's right. That's wow. right. And and, and Rob, Rob would Nash Brothers. I never knew where he came from. Oh yeah, Rob's yeah. and I've got this an original Rob right here. Yes. And Rob would uh, hold the controller in his hand, and he would open up the pipes so you didn't get squished in uh, in Gyromite. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know why I, I brought that up. I guess because Pipeline has pipes, but it's going to be my shelf. Um, and I'm going to keep it on my shelf because. Uh, I'm not convinced that I want to keep Barrage. I want to try it. Like I said, uh, again, uh, I'm definitely not going to keep that abomination power grid. I mean, it's just bleh, puke, bleh, yuck, disgusting. <laughs> and uh, that box. So yeah, I'll keep. Uh, I'll keep Pipeline. It was a fun game. I've only played it two or three times, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, I think the first time I really played it wrong, though, because I feel like our points were way off. Like I feel like uh, Daniel, you had like 680 million points or something to yeah. my like. 220 that's how you know i taught it really well when (laughs) i do like lap people by 300 points or so it's a sign of a good game (laughs) and a good teach all right so nintendo es is andy's shelf (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) all right guys well play shelf trade is one of our favorites and this was one of my favorites play shelf trades to do so i would really curious on what you would categorize these three games as well would you play shelf trade uh barrage pipeline and uh power grid let us know in the comments below but with that guys i think that wraps up the show so it's time to look at the scores um i do want to say uh that randy has it out for me because <laughs> i was killing it on the first segment and I got no points for it. I think he was so enthralled with my uh, soliloquy that he just forgot to give me points. So because of that, would you like it, a little? Would you like a little cheese with that wine? I, I, I would. I gotta I gotta say, like, no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> yeah, Daniel. See, this is the truth you that you're truly really a wrong. Cubs fan because everyone knows in sports, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And the Cubs can never finish. Oh, that's that was that's pretty low because aren't they doing really bad right now yes, once they true. were just clinging to the to the wild card it's a burn of the show i like it i gotta say i think daniel should have got a couple of points just for the use of the word soliloquy and just yeah. like off the cuff like it was nothing That's we didn't true. take three he takes problems with words like the most we didn't need three takes through soliloquy we're good man that that's what happens when he starts right reading the thesaurus every day that's right that's right all right. Even though I think this is rigged and Randy hates me, I have to give it to Andy today. Go away. Uh, take it away, Andy. <laughs> go away, Andy. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will never go away. You can never rid yourself of me. Just remember that. Um, first of all, I want to thank this award. Uh, thank, I want to I thank Rob for this. I think Rob really brought it home here. And Rob, you are my official AI companion. I don't need AI. I just need Rob in my life. Um, So I want to take a second to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is the best Kickstarter I've ever backed. And I've just played it recently. I finally unboxed it. It's amazing, guys. It is the Castles of Burgundy Deluxe Edition. It is magnifique. It is wonderful. It is a Stefan Feld 
glorious game uh, that belongs in the Hall of Fame of board games. And this version I am so thrilled with, guys. And you know what? It's one of the few that I didn't I didn't film myself unboxing and I'm kicking myself for it because I actually had really good things to say as I unboxed it. I got the neoprene mat, the little miniatures, the, the acrylic uh, tokens. It looks nice. Everything's beautiful about it. I've already played some of the expansions. I don't know if you guys have played Castles of Burgundy. If you haven't, shame on you. Shame on you. And you should just be shot in the head with a gun. A Nerf gun. There Nerf you gun. Go. Yes. Just I wanted to clarify. Um, but you should play it. If you haven't had a chance to play it, you should play Castles of Burgundy and come play my deluxe edition. I'm so thrilled with it. It's just I can't even tell you how thrilled I am with this game. And I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that I want to take my shelf and reduce the size of it and just really pimp out the games that I love. I really want to bling them out, pimp them out, uh, get the, the what, what's it called with the, the what's, when the girls put the jewels on the case, the bedazzling. Bedazzle. bedazzle. I want to bedazzle things. That's right. Look at Andy, me. you bedazzle me every time you talk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Wow. All right. Well, after that, <laughs> I feel like you had a Michael Scott moment there where it just got yes. awkward. And instead of turning around, you just went straight into the awkward. So, right into absolutely. So, so good job, Michael Scott. Embrace the awkward. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a while, guys, but we finally have some birthdays. So let's end this show strong and let's talk about some of these great games that have turned uh that however, been, however yeah, many years have turned an eight year older. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to talk about kids. my favorite seven year old tonight, and it's not my son Moses. It's <laughs> Role Player. Role Player turned seven years old. It was on this day in 2016. Moses, you're a close second. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Monkshkin, baby. Monkshkin was my gateway game. Uh, we have every single set ever made up until Axe Cop, and then I was like, I'm done with Monkshkin. But you know, it is 22 years old, and that's some longevity in this industry. True. Um, back in 2018, a really cool game came out called Western Legends. At least I assume it's really cool. It's insane that I have not played this game. I love Westerns. I love theme. I love all that stuff. If you have Western Legends and you know me, Let's play sometime, please. It's five years old today. It's going to be an old game by the time I play it. Let's hope not. Crazy. Five years? I know. And my game's Kalis, one that's almost as old as Munchkin and infinitely better. It is 18 years old this month. Uh, I was supposed to, I was uh, hoping to play it last Legal. night over it with Daniel and uh, Randy. There you go. Uh, I left it there. Exactly. I showed up with <laughs> it and was excited for it and said was forced to play a very, very mid Marvel co-op. Dagger, baby. <laughs> yep. Kalis is good stuff. It was very, very mid, mid, very mid. Kalis could put a, uh, mid. if we had to come up with a new, a new spokesperson and we weren't going to use uh, Hansa anymore, the guy from Kalis would be pretty good too. Oh yeah. Well, he's made a few appearances. If you recall, that is true. Yes, it's true. He's in the Noah's commercial and he's also, uh, he was a, uh, he was a, a person in the balcony making fun of us at one time. Ah, that's right. That's right. One of those Muppet guys. That's right. <laughs> well, <All> right. <laughs> guys, as always, we love performing for you. We love uh, uh, being able to uh, bring you some hopeful, uh, hopefully some entertainment and a lot of stupidity. Uh, we want to thank all of our wonderful viewers out there. Remember to tap, like, and subscribe. Uh, and we would uh, sure love it if you would participate in the comments section and also join us 
on our Facebook group, Around the Board. And you can send us emails to mail at aroundtheboard.net. Join us next time as we continue to make fools of ourselves and talk about tabletop gaming. Right here. Hard. Around the Board. I think it's the two of hearts. <laughs> oh, I got it. I love you, Rob. Yep, this should have won me a game right here. Mm-hmm. Totally can't it. Just wait till next time. It'll be even better. Oh, clubs. I actually got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Shucks. I love you, too. Hey, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, for one that you looked at. That's pretty good.